Good evening and welcome to another episode of Nigeria Politics Weekly. As usual, my name is Michael and co-hosting with me is Phoenix. Today we have two guests. Our first guest is Tola. Tola is a compliance professional and a Lagosian. Secondly, we have Anthony Ehilebo. Anthony is a lawyer and head of new media at the People's Democratic Party, the PDP. Now, the two topics we'll be discussing today are, firstly, the arrest of the super cop, Abba Kiari, on allegations of drug dealing or drug peddling. And secondly, we'll be discussing the feud between the leader of the APC, Bola Ahmed Tinubu, and the Minister for Internal Affairs, Rauf Aregbeshola, and the consequences that have flowed from this feud. So now, firstly, to Phoenix. Uh, Abakiari was a super cop, decorated by the Nigerian government, even celebrated by the legislature. So how on earth did he end up being accused of drug dealing by the NDLEA? Uh, Phoenix, how, how, how did we get here, Phoenix? Hi, Michael, and uh, hi, Tola. Hi, uh, Anthony. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Hello, listeners. Um, how do I put it? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a classic Jekyll and Hyde situation, isn't it? You have somebody who was obviously living a dual lifestyle, or, uh, and uh, as much as he probably took advantage of his knowledge of criminal um, people to do well in going after criminals, as you described him, he, well, I won't say was, because I mean, I, I don't think he's been taken off the force, but his reputation was that of a very, very um, successful um, um, police officer who, who was often given some of the most dangerous and high profile cases and, and came through. I think the, the, the one about the about advance, the kidnapper comes to mind. And he always seemed to do so well. And of course, very quickly, he, he gained fame and was celebrated um, across the land. I mean, um, I mean, you talked about the National Assembly um, celebrating him and giving him a standing ovation. There was a a uh, he was recognized, I remember, by the silver bird as man of the year. I can't remember what year it was. So, yes, the accolades kept pouring in, um, for that side of him. But little known was the other side that he was actually a key player in, in Nigeria's criminal space until we heard the um allegations of him receiving um bribe to facilitate um the um the actions of uh, Hush Poppy, uh, which came to light when, when that one was picked up in Dubai. And as part of his confessions, he named Abakiari as somebody who did work for them and firstly did some of that work. So that, that started bubbling around. And of course, he was suspended and investigated. But he was, um, it was all done in a way that seemed like, um, I mean, like like he was almost going towards a cover-up because you didn't see any 
strong action being taken against him. He was still suspended, but I mean, he was out there, obviously. And then recently we had the, um, uh, the announcement by the NDLEA. Apparently there had been a sting on the guy um, and they had caught him um, with uh, sufficient evidence showing that he was um, into the drug scene and uh, was actually trying to take drugs that had been seized from, I think that's the story that had been seized from uh, a drug bust and was trying to sell it. So clearly this was somebody who had, um, I mean, who definitely was, um, had his feet planted in both sides. In, the, in Nigeria's criminal underground, and of course, as a as a policeman, therefore using his uh, position uh, to to uh, enable him do that other side of things. But as with all things, these things uh, you can never, you know, leave that double life forever. At one point, it's either you you step on too many toes, and some people decide to expose you, or or the criminals that you've been putting away all of a sudden you know, come back on you like Hoshwabi did. So it's, I think for me, the, 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 the poignant thing is, is just finding out that, I mean, it's, it just goes back to how, how much, how flawed our country is. And, and no matter how much you, you find good things, there's always something on the line that seems to, you know, turn it upside down and, and leave a bad taste in the mouth. It's, it's, it's quite sad. One would have loved to have, somebody who was celebrated for, for doing good things, for putting criminals away, stay that clean. But I mean, it's to his shame, to the shame of the Nigerian police force who allowed this to happen because obviously uh, there, there are governance issues there. there there's clearly uh, something wrong in the force. He couldn't have done this for this long without some support from from people within the force and the higher-ups. There have been insinuations that he was obviously taking care of his organs. That's why he could get away with it for that long. So, I mean, it's just a shame, real shame. Thank you, Phoenix. Um, Tola, you, you've heard the background to the story that Phoenix has provided. What I'm struggling to understand is he was supposed to be on suspension. Yes, there's a video of him supposedly arresting drug dealers and negotiating some kind of cut from the deal. How did this happen? Is, is, is Abakiri, is, is it related to somebody in the presidency? Why, why is this happening? I mean, I think for me, one thing is apparent, right? The suspension was a late, more like a notice to lay low, just to appease the Americans. You know, um, I don't think this guy lost anything. I don't think... The investigations allegedly taking place by the Nigerian police force was going to lead anywhere. And, you know, so he still had his full access to his retinue of staff, his privileges, et cetera, et cetera. Because for him to have led this operation to accost the alleged drug dealers, he had to have police equipment, police information, police people working with and for him. You know, so for me, what that makes obvious is that the alleged suspension was just a ruse, a ruse to please the Americans and to, you know, make like Nigeria was taking the very serious allegations against him uh, seriously. And one thing is apparent, though, is for me in, in these occurrences, I don't think is, as my people would say, ordinary eye. 
I think it's very possible that this guy has overreached and people have had enough of him because I promise you when Evans was arrested, I recall very clearly the, uh, his wife saying, listen, our assets are disappearing and it is under the purview of the police. So what's going on? The charge sheet read in court did not list several, several um, properties. What's going on? She raised the alarm. Another alleged criminal raised similar alarm. So he's been doing this for a long time and it's been brought to public notice, but nobody took it seriously. Nothing was investigated. So then what, what that leads us to ask is, this guy's reputation as a so-called super cop, on what was it predicated? Was it predicated on his relationship with criminals, thereby you know, extending himself as, as, as a kind of police officer to take out their rivals? Or was it predicated on real and proper investigative police work? I would wager and say it's the former because there is nothing that has been presented in public to show us that this fellow conducted any serious investigative work, nor that he has any special investigative skills. In fact, so bold and brazen was he or is he that he did not mind being surrounded with individuals of indeterminate uh, uh, income. You know, we saw him in, 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 in photos of a, with a certain individual who I will not name if you're on social media, you know who I mean. Nigerians were outraged to the point where you had to remove the photos. His association with the now arrested uh, 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 hush in the uh, 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 an advanced fee fraud criminal now in custody in the United States leads us further to ask how were these associations made? Well, what was he accused of doing by the Americans, of arresting somebody at the convenience and at the behest of Hushpuffin? Is this his first time doing that? How, was, how and why was Evans arrested? What led to that arrest? So these are just some of the questions we have to ask. And we wonder whose toes he stepped on for the NDLEA to really be able to catch him in the manner that they have, because there is certainly a lot more to the story. And even the statements released by the NDLEA had several holes in them. And I wish our, our journalists would really take their time to probe and to ask the necessary leading questions, Michael. Thank you, Tola. I just want to ask a follow-up question to this how he, he because there was, a, there was a picture of him attending i think he was the wedding of the child with the inspector general of police or something and i'm trying to understand like was how did the buhari government not know that he'd not been really suspended he clearly been been partying with senior people in, in the government so are you saying do you think Buhari himself knew that this was some kind of cover-up or Buhari is, is, is probably will be shocked like all of us to hear what is going on? Well, would you be shocked if he says he's shocked? <laughs> I mean, let's be serious here, right? I don't know, Michael, but what I do understand from you know being a Nigerian and having experienced how the political class moves is that this fellow is clearly useful to them. You know, he's somebody that has lent himself to several shady individuals and he's useful to them. So it was not in their interest to leave him out to dry, in quotes, right? Because clearly the fellow is aware of several skeletons in several closets. And clearly the political class would not want him to be in a position where he's singing like a canary. So yes, he was protected until he could no longer be protected. And, and that is for me, the biggest issue here. What did he do? What happened? that led to them rolling back the clear protection that was 
over this guy and that he enjoyed all this while, even when he was accused of very serious, nationally embarrassing crimes by the United States. I think that's what we need to uncover. But yes, he was enjoying patronage by the Nigerian political class, the, the, governing, the governing party, the ruling party, the APC. So, I mean, clearly he's a, he's a direct appointee. So if, any, if, if there was any reason for him to, um, so not a direct appointee, he's somebody that was in line all things being equal to have been the number one cop in the entire country. So his profile was that high. I would wager to say that his profile is higher than, than the number one police officer in the country, right? So that he wasn't appropriately disciplined and honestly disciplined leads one to conclude that that was the case for a reason that we don't yet know. We can only speculate. Thank you, Tola. Anthony, there's this theory. Yes, sir. There's this theory going around that alleges that, in fact, this whole NDLEA accusation is an attempt to prevent Abakiri from being extradited to the United States, because apparently if he's charged in Nigeria, then there's no way he'd be sent to the U.S. So apparently this whole thing is just a, some kind of cover-up to prevent him from being sent abroad. Do, do you agree with that, with that theory? Okay, well... Uh, um... Thank you very much, um, Gege and uh, Phoenix, for having me on your podcast. Um, it's interesting, this whole Abakiri debacle. And um, I had an engagement with people who were very versed and versatile in this particular matter as regards the charter, the UN charters and the charter for exchange of people who have been indicted. Um, I think it reads a bit differently that if you're being tried for a similar offense, now that's just because you do not want the law of double jeopardy to take effect. Um, but this is, however, very messy. Um, it goes to tarnish the reputation of the Nigerian police force irrefutably. So I don't think just for whatever play, anybody will be thinking of just to protect Abakiari from, I mean, um, the truth is that the United States has not officially written for the extradition of Abakari. And even when they write, do not forget that uh, the late Senator Buruji Kasamu was indicted by a U.S. court and was requested officially to be extradited to the U.S. But he fought it with uh, the judicial system in the country. So I... I I, for one, do not want to believe that um, the Nigerian police force will go to the extent of tarnishing its reputation by saying a highly decorated policeman. You know, when it's when it's uh, when you now start delving into the realm of uh, narcotics, uh, you're you're in a different uh, era. Uh, I do know that the U.S. and perhaps the British states have uh, extreme renditions for such activities. Um, Mexican cartel drug lords have had fiat death sentences passed on them by the US government for participating in such acts. So I would not think that is something that even if they wanted, even if they wanted to charge him to court for an alternate offense, perhaps they would have found something less uh, stigmatizing or the stigma of a narcotics arrest or narcotics quagmire doesn't go away. There is nowhere in the world Abakari will go today that 
he, he will not be seen as a drug dealer. So I, I really um, do not want to dwell on uh, the frivolities of, uh, what do we call it now? Um, tales, or say we'll have uh, some sort of uh, wishful thinking that the Nigerian state is that smart. However, all the points raised about him being on suspension and carrying out drug busts, uh, I think those are the major indictments that we, we cannot leave. And I wonder why the idea of police is still in order. Now, I keep saying this thing. We have this very uh, on, on coof, or would you, would you, for lack of better words, uh, dirty behavior of not resigning when we ought to, people resigning from offices for failures that are quite obvious to the general public and the world at large. How can you be an IG of police and an officer who is suspended is carrying out drug raids and a sister agency now, there's now brick bats between sisters. Of course, it's not today that we started having the police and army having shootouts. The police and NDLA now are at it. So it's really shameful. It's something that um, one does not understand how we often get into this kind of quagmire. But sad nonetheless. But I, honestly, on my opinion, I do not think that. I think it's just uh, it's just an act of fate. The eventual uh, downward spiral of of a cop that should have been investigated. I asked the question a few weeks ago that why did it have to take the NDLA to bust Abakiari? For someone with that kind of profile, what are you trying to tell me that we do not have, and this is a failure again, what is the internal affairs mechanism of the Nigerian police force? Now, coming from the standpoint of NSAS, NSAS raised critical issues as to how the Nigerian police force and policemen have given accounts of their acts in service. And even if we have just try to numb or kill the national discourse on police brutality and the illegal abuse of police powers. One would have expected that the Nigerian police force for what it is worth would have set up perhaps a tax force to investigate some of these allegations. And if you know where IRT is located in Abuja, it is located in the same premises Assass. So one would have thought that there is a watchdog of the Nigerian police force. Perhaps then we used to hear of police X squad. We used to hear of, in fact, the, 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 the IRT is directly, it directly reports to the IG because it's the IG intelligence response team. That's what they are called. So um, we're, not just, we're not just doing service or justice to this matter if we do not face where these problems have come from and how we, the Nigerian police force has failed in policing itself as a government institution. Thank you, Anthony, for providing your perspective. So you don't believe there's any conspiracy. You think uh, Abakiri is, has been arrested for the right reasons. Phoenix, the question I have for you is this. The 
head of the NDLEA, uh, Buba Marwa. It's someone who's a documented money launderer. There's documentation that shows, even in the foreign courts, that during the Abacha regime, hundreds of millions of dollars in bribes were paid through his account for the benefit of General Abacha, and he apparently also took a share of that. So the question is, how can a character like Marwa, who is also a documented money launderer, suddenly become annoyed that Abakiari is engaging in uh, drug peddling? Do you think there's more to the to the decision to arrest Abakiari than basically an attempt to fight uh, drug dealing, Phoenix? I think, I mean, I, I, I mentioned that, I, I, that there must have been toes that he stepped on because, I mean, he's been, Abakia has been in the limelight for too long for there not to have been people looking into it. And I fully agree with Tola and also with, with Anthony um, saying that, I mean, I, I like Anthony's point around in the, the governance mechanism within the police force and, and why someone like this who has been pictured with questionable characters was still able to, uh, stay uh, in the limelight for that long. So, um, could, could there be more to it? Yeah, I, I would not be surprised. I mean, Nigeria is full of intrigue. There are always people trying to position themselves. Um, it's been widely claimed that uh, Mara has designs on higher office. So, perhaps wants to make a name for himself by bringing down uh, uh, nation's most celebrated cop and. Uh, and, and found an opportunity and, uh, and Arakiari walked into it. <laughs> I think the point you make around uh, Marwa's past, um, I, I don't think it stops him from, from being the one to, to call it out. The, the question would be, is there sufficient evidence to hold uh, Kiari? I mean, Kiari, I mean, there's more than enough that we've seen from the videos and all of that. So going after him uh, doesn't stop that. I, and I think, you know, it's not the first time that we've had uh, law enforcement uh, people who also have questionable background and going harm uh, against other, other people. It's almost like there's, there's no one that is clean, right? There's, I remember this chap that used to be at uh, EFCC, who was the acting chairman for so long, I mean, that uh, the Senate was refusing to, to, uh, to confirm him because of his questionable background, but he didn't stop him from going after people. And, you know, he, he actually loved the theatrics and all of that. So for me, is, is Kiari a criminal? Has he committed crimes? There is evidence that he has. And so absolutely it's good to at least have him taken off the board. And then, I mean, we can only hope that uh, Mara's day will come and somebody will be able to find something strong enough on him to to take him down as well. And if if that continues to go around and Nigeria is able to clean its deck and, and begin to put in place uh, a better law enforcement uh, um, context for the country where we have um, agencies that truly do what they're supposed to do and that we, we, we have, we don't have criminals in uniform as we do today, then that's, that would be better for, for the country. I think there's one, one other point which I also find um, emblematic of Nigeria as a whole, and I don't know if you've picked up on it and maybe you're going to ask 
the others, it was also the fact that, you know, you could also see the desperation of Gary in, in, in his recent statements when he was called into a pro. And the next thing was that he was claiming that it was IPOB that was trying to smear him and set him up. And I just found that absolutely distasteful. And it and it was a it was clearly an ethnic dog whistle, and and it also shows the things that we talk about in this country. This is not to say that IPOB is a um, how would I put it that IPOB is a is 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 an is a positive organization because they morphed into into something else, and and that's a debate for another day. But it was so easy for him to try to point the fingers in that direction, hoping that it would deflect from from his crimes and playing up um, the ethnic divisions that have become even more pronounced in recent times. And, and, and that is what Nigerians need to watch out for, uh, especially. Thank you, Phoenix. It's, it's quite interesting. So you think maybe Mara's presidential ambitions could be a factor. Let me ask Tola, Tola, Tola do, you, do you agree with that? that uh, Mara might be interested in running for president, and therefore this might be the, his motivation for bringing down Abakiari? Um, I think I'll approach it from a different angle. I think the vacuum after Buhari is really old. You know, forget his official age is really old. There is a vacuum in the North for sort of like a power broker, a truth teller, somebody they see as unimpeachable. I think that is a vacuum that a lot of Northern politicians are actually gaming for. Not necessarily to being president, but being a viable power broker such that their coffers stay filled because people will come to us with their blessings and their endorsements and whatnot. That is what I think Ma was actually gunning for. I don't think that he's been deliberately visible enough to suggest that he's aiming for a higher office, so to say. So I think he's positioning and jostling himself for some of that halo that sort of, you know, that Buhari has where the North is concerned. That's, that's my reasoning. Oh, thank you. That's uh, interesting to hear. My, my final topic question on this topic goes to Anthony. Uh, Anthony, I don't think we've heard the PDP's voice in this uh, saga, but a number of people have said that Abakiari is not a lone bad egg, that the Nigerian police force has always been like this right from time, even when PDP was in power, the police were known to be corrupt and full of uh, drug dealers and unsavory characters. So how, how do you defend the PDP's record in terms of uh, disciplining and maintaining a, a, a professional police force? Anthony. Well, thank you, Gaga. Um, you know, it's, it's very difficult to speak in generality of PDP because uh, perhaps I wasn't even there as a member of PDP and the ones that have been part of and PDP has done not too well, we've come out to speak up against it. But I'll have you know that it was under PDP's regime that an inspector general, a former inspector general, Tafa Balogun, was handcuffed on uh, indictment of corruption. Uh, you may wish to call it a political witch hunt at the time. He may have offended somebody high up in power, but Nonetheless, that action was taken. I don't think anywhere we have seen uh, Abakiari handcuffed and given the same treatment 
everybody who is accused of a criminal offense is given. Um, one thing I would say is that um, deterrence goes a very long way in, in forestalling uh, future actions of certain individuals. Um, I, I fail to see deterrence in this scenario. Uh, don't forget that Abakiari was cleared before uh, another furor was raised and his matter was reopened for investigation, which is perhaps why he continued down that path. There are several more policemen within the ranks that uh, act and carry on with such impunity. Again, it will be wise for us to re revert our minds back to the demands of the NSAS protests, you know, and how um, this government has carelessly just pushed it aside without looking into the substance of the matter. Uh, there must have been a reason. There was mass agitation for certain reforms uh, within, within the poli Nigerian police force, as it were. Um, no doubt, if you do a side-by-side -side comparison, if you go to a police barracks and you go to a military barracks, you can easily tell, in fact, if they are blindfolded and they take your blindfold off in two locations, separate at the same time, and you are, your blindfold, in fact, before they take off your blindfold, the smell coming from the Nigerian police formation will tell you exactly where you are. Um, this, this in itself is not uh, a good tribute to the Nigerian police force, but we would hope that the agitation for police reform remains strong and then we have a holistic approach at looking at our Nigerian police force. Okay, the question you would want to ask and I feel should be asked, uh, maybe you say PDP is not speaking up enough, but these are questions that we need to ask. What mechanism since this incident, if you say the number one super cop in Nigeria has been found wanting, both on the level of uh, international fraud-related issues and now international drug-related issues. It is not even said that he's not just in contact with the Nigerian uh, drug dealers. He's said to have which we're, we're still, it still now falls between the realm of speculation and just bad blood between the Nigerian police force and the NDLE. But he's been accused of having international connection with Brazilian and Mexican cartels, which puts another dimension to this uh, issue. But I also let you know that uh, I'm not unaware of the involvement in, of intelligence officers in drug smuggling across the Nigerian borders and also our diplomatic attaches. It has, it's a, a long whispered or echoed uh, story that you hear in the shadows of what our intelligence and um, security operatives, uh, what kind of, kind of things that they do uh, in the shadows. But I am glad that there's some spotlight has come on it but we should not go to sleep on these sort of issues. We need a wholesome cleanse of our, of our security architecture, particularly the Nigerian police force. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Now to our next topic.
which is the the battle between the leader of the APC, Bola Ahmed Tinubu, who is also former governor of Lagos State, and Raouf Aregbashola, who is the former governor of Oshun State and current minister for internal affairs. Phoenix, I always assumed that Bola Tinubu and Raouf Aregbashola were very, very close allies. And in fact, Raouf Aregbashola could be described as Bola Tinubu's de facto number two in terms of leadership of the Southwest APC. So what has triggered this argument between them to the extent that Aregba Shola is openly insulting Bola Tinubu? Can you, can you talk us through the, the background to this drama, Phoenix? Well, I'm no insider. And uh, until, until I saw, I think, the same video that most people saw of... Um, Aregbo Shola's uh, comments at the at the political gathering in in Oshun State. I was not aware that there had been a that the situation had deteriorated to that extent. I knew that yes, of course, that uh, there there was some sort of separation. We had seen that for a while, um, and I think it became also apparent in the colloquium that uh, Aregbo Shola did for his birthday. I think was it last year or the year before. But uh, to to that, to this extent, no, no, I wasn't aware. So I, I can only uh, uh, speak based on what, what I picked up from Alec Bouchelas. I mean, what people have said, uh, Alec Bouchelas grouse is, um, and and it goes back to uh, he, uh, the, the succession uh, for him when, when he was uh, finishing his term as governor in uh, 2018 as, most of uh, Nigerian governors are want to do, they want to put in in, in their stead a, a protege that they can, uh, especially for those who have managed to um, have two terms and you know have a stranglehold on the state that they've that they've led. They want somebody who comes in after them who is basically uh, their stooge. And so um, but in this in this regard, um, Tinubu, who is obviously the the leader of the APC in the Southwest, and of course, uh, Arabusha's political leader. We all know uh, their history uh, and how Arabusha was very instrumental in their in their movement, uh, especially in Lagos, and actually worked uh, for Tinubu as as a commissioner in his government. Um, but Tinubu wanted Rietola, um, who. Uh, by, by all indications, is related to him uh, to be the successor to um, Aribushala, while Aribushala wanted Adioti, who was his chief of staff. Of course, Aribushala had to step back, step down, uh, given his uh, given his allegiance to Tinubu, and of course, he, there were some assurances made to him, and so on and so forth. What what is now understood is that uh, those assurances did not come into play. You can imagine that those assurances were not about the good, uh, anything good for the people, or it was more around political patronage and all of that. And, and of course, uh, Aibushala, of course, was not happy. Um, and he saw his chance in the, uh, as he moved uh, federal and became a minister in Buhari's government, I think, uh, I mean, of course, as you move closer to the sun, sometimes some people, it gets into some people's heads. And I think he, he therefore saw it as an opportunity for him um, to take a, to take pot shots at his S2I leader, 
And uh, as, the, as the rift became, became wider, he decided that he was going to go against Tinubu's choice. Of course, Tinubu wants Oyetola to, to gain a second term. And uh, Ayubojala was against that. And that's why, of course, we started hearing all the rumblings that led to that uh, outburst and some of the other um, shots that Ayubojala has been taking at Tinubu. Now, when you first asked the question, you talked about an argument. I, to, I mean, for the life of me, I haven't seen any anything so much as a response from Tinubu. So I don't, I won't exactly call it an argument. Maybe I've missed it. But he seems to have kept his elder statesman um, stance and simply let his influence do the talking. And we saw that uh, come into play with, um, of course, Ayub Oshala losing and his candidate losing the bid for the APC primaries uh, and all of that with Oyetola seeming to have to have won that. So at this point in time, it's uh, it's uh, to number one, Ayub Oshala zero. And it remains to be seen how this evolves. Of course, we know that there's a lot at play with Tinubu, uh, obviously with his sights set on the presidency. Um, and then of course, uh, there will be a battle for, for Lagos and uh, one, one waits to see how this all pans out and what Ayubashala does next. But um, yeah, it was, it was quite a surprise to me to see, to see it. But of course, uh, you say in, in politics, I mean, uh, how how do I forget that saying now? It's um, no no permanent friend, no permanent enemy, only permanent interest. So it seems like uh, uh, the things that bound them together um, obviously are not strong enough anymore to keep them up, uh, together. Can they find a way back? I don't know. I don't know enough of of the situation to speak to that. But this was this was very very strange to me. Very openly, I mean. It, there's something about the Yoruba culture and, and respect and and regard and, and the way he very openly spoke against Tinubu was very, very strange to me. Um, yes, you can push against a, a godfather, but it didn't seem like they had that kind of relationship and a falling out to that degree to speak about him that openly was, um, was weird. And uh, let's see, let's see how it goes. Thank you, Phoenix. Uh, let me ask uh, Tola. Tola, I know you're from Lagos State, so you're, you're closer to the fire than we are. Um, did you see this fight coming? And what are the long-term implications for APC in the Southwest? Uh, thank you, Michael. Um, so, I mean, this all stems from the disagreements that actually began in Arabashola's first term, right? Where Oyetola was supposed to take a post in Arabashola's administration at the time. But Oyetola being older than Arabashola by at least three, four years or thereabouts, um, and also insistent that it was a turn, quote unquote, of his senatorial district in the state was reluctant to serve in the administration. Um, you know, that burnt Arabashola. And at the time, Tinubu also was quite upset with Oyetola, but they seemed to have patched um, things up. Arab Bashallah, as far as I'm aware, has always had this streak of independence in him. I think he was some, he's someone who takes the, the phrase stoop to conquer quite literally. He was very obsequious in his declaration of loyalty to Tinubu before the lid was blown open on internal disagreements. And I think, like Phoenix said, him being appointed as a minister who just sort of bolstered his courage in confronting Tinubu head on. 
And I think what this, what this brings to the fore is that Abuja isn't without knowledge of some of these things, right? I think for somebody of Tinubu's stature in the party to be openly challenged and openly confronted in the manner that he's been without being cautioned by the powers that be in Abuja, it means that he's got, to a degree, by my summation, a level of backing from the center. Now, he was always going to lose the challenge in Ocean State. He was always going, he doesn't have enough thugs, he doesn't have enough money, he just, he just doesn't have enough gravitas to pull that off. All the political offices he's ever occupied were at the were as a result of the benevolence of the man he's calling us and challenging to Nubu right. But I suspect, I suspect that he's been sent on a, on a, on a mission and the mission is to demystify this man, to make him to reduce him in, in, in some ways. Of course, Arab Bashala is in the short term also giving up his own political, quote unquote, his own political structure, right? Because Ali Mashal, you know, a new, a new godfather will, will arise, money will be shared, and you know, nerves will be soothed by that. Um, I think Arab Bashala was emboldened by tacit support from people who are higher up than he is personally. And um, no, I didn't see the, the, the rift being blown open in the manner that it was, because I think the comments that he was recorded saying against Tinubu were beyond the pale. Even if you're arguing with somebody in, in public and you have strict and, and severe disagreements, I think he sort of went way, way below the belt with some of the comments that he made, um, he was recorded saying in public. However, I think this is coming, this is a long time coming. And I think, you know, it just, it just, underlines this idea that, you know, people tend to think the Southwest is uniform in its support behind Tinubu or in its, uh, uh, in its uh, uh, voter base for the uh, APC. That's not the case. Um, even, if it, even if the South, Southwest goes largely for the APC, it's certainly not uniform behind Tinubu. And these little cracks will only get more obvious as we get closer to the general election uh, next year, Michael. Thank you, Tola. My, my follow-up question to that is, you said you think uh, Arugba Shola is being encouraged by unforeseen forces or unknown forces. Um, my question is, Bola Tinubu is the, is the accepted leader of the APC, and a minister in an APC government is insulting him in that way. And President Buhari is not doing anything. Do you, do you not think there's something wrong with that for a minister to be openly insulting the leader well, of the APC? You're saying in much posher tones what I've just said. If a minister in the government that your national party leader belongs to is openly insulting, I mean, by post, really, in, you know, by, by post, Tinubu is a much more senior member of the party than Arab Shalai is. Forget that he's a minister in, in, in the federal. Tinubu's post in the party for all intents and purposes, is supposed to be second only to Bahari's, right? You know, in, in intra-party affairs, I'm speaking about now, not in terms of governance of the country. Um, so for a minister to be so emboldened to speak about him in the manner that he's spoken about him, you know that he's not doing this on empty, on an, on an empty stomach and without an army, a silent army behind him somewhere, or a silent power that be at the very least behind him somewhere. If it's not Bahari, then it's the minister for Malami, then my, suspected, my, my suspicion is that his, it's Malami because there is an interest in demystifying and reducing Tinubu with a view to 2023. 
and you know, many, many, many messengers will be sent to that end, as far as I'm aware and as far as I'm concerned. And you know, you sort of read the tea leaves of the Nigerian political scene, and you see some things again and again in different forms. And I think this one isn't without some unseen hand, definitely. For Buhari to be silent, for other senior non-Southwest party members to be silent, and for the most senior and visible Southwest party members to be silent, I'm speaking of uh, Fire Me, I'm speaking of um, the Ondo governor whose name escapes me right now, I'm speaking of Governor Fashola, now Minister Fashola. For these individuals to be quiet, doesn't it suggest to you that something is afoot? Thank you, Tola. You've raised some interesting questions. Um, Phoenix, the other dimension to this problem is Reg Bashola claimed that the current governor of Oshun State, Oyetola, is destroying his legacy. And that's why he's fighting him. And on social media, a number of people have said they're quite confused as to what legacy Arigbeshola is talking about, because apparently, or they claim he was one of the worst governors, or he's probably the worst governor ever produced by Ocean State. So how do you respond to this, uh, Phoenix? Does does Arigbeshola have a legacy to be destroyed in the first place? (laughs) You know why I laugh? (laughs) I laugh because I remember, I remember writing a piece about I wish I like it was, it was one of my very earliest uh, pieces that I was writing on medium and I, I remember talking about I wish I like, and and he's I think I titled it as uh, I just pulled it up the the ocean state malarkey uh, I wish I like's legacy of ruination <laughs> so if there's any legacy that I wish I like has in ocean state it was one of practically destroying I mean, I mean, what whatever existed of of Oshun State, I I will. I, I mean, it was it was hilarious. Well, it wasn't hilarious. It was sad at the time, but it's hilarious looking back now, six years later, and I wish I'm not talking about a legacy. I, when I was speaking earlier, I was talking about the fact that he wasn't. I mean, his grouse with Oyetola has nothing to do with the good of of the state or the or for the good of the people of Oshun. It was it was about making sure that whatever taps he had um, flowing remained um, flowing towards him and 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 I think that's where that's where the 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 divergence um, has occurred that's not to say that Oyetola is doing any good but I mean leg, legacy I mean I wish that practically turned a state that was uh, one of one of the uh, I would say one of the most impoverished states. He, he he actually made the situation worse because he layered on so much debt on the state that at fact meetings, I, I mean, Oshun states will come out with a negative. I instead of receiving money, <laughs> they, instead of receiving money after the fact was shared and the first line charges were taken out, they will be in the red. That's how bad it was under under Bushola. I mean, <laughs> so when he talks about the legacy, it's it's incredible. I, and this was him borrowing to do all sorts of dodgy projects that never did pay off at the end. Nothing. I mean, this was Eric Weshala who tried to build an, an airport in Oshun State. Oshun State. I mean, <laughs> this is this is a state that that is practically a 
it's either farming or you're in the civil service. There's there's no in between. There's no economy to speak of. There's there's there was I mean the state's IGR is was non-existent at, at the time. And he was taking on big ticket projects like an airport, like uh, all of this stuff. And bear in mind, going into 2015, he was one of those, he, he was actually hailed as a model governor. They were, they, they were mentioning, because the APC at that point in time did not have many, uh, did not have many states under their control. So yeah, Lagos State was obviously a shining light. And then, of course, they would mention Osho State because uh, he was doing all this uh, feeding projects for children. And then of course they had, he had this PR campaign around providing them with electronic tablets. Uh, but it was clear that he was, he, he, I mean, in the history of his governance in, in, in Nigeria, he was top of the pile. He was, I mean, he, he, he ruined that state. He, he, he plunged them into debt. There was there was there were salaries owed um, for years. Um, I mean, even when they got a bailout in, in 2015 after Buhari came in, it still did nothing. I mean, this this guy, I mean, they, they, I can't say enough about about what he's what he's done. And I'm having to repost uh, the link uh, to that. So when he talks about legacy, when people talk about it, I totally agree with people that he 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 is one of the very worst um, governors we've ever had in Nigeria, and um, uh, the state was good to finally, after of course doing eight years, to, to see the back of him. Not to say that we'll, the person that has come behind, come after him, has done any good, but he was he was desperately bad. Thank you, Phoenix. To Tola. My follow-up question on this is, there are obviously rumors, and Arug Bashola alluded to those rumors, because one of the things he said in Yoruba, it was apparently translated by the newspapers, he said something to the effect that they are still urinating on themselves, referring to the fact that, uh, the referring to the allegation that Tinubu seems to have some sort of urinary-type incontinence. And so the, the issue is, Bolatinibu's health appears to be a major factor. So do, do you think if anything were to happen to Bolatinibu, Arab Shola would become the heir to the Southwest leadership? Tola? Thank you. Um, no, I do not. Um, I think that the more, the more accurate translation to what Arab Shola said is literal and metaphorical and sarcastic, should I say. It's more like they don't need peaceful body, you know, as per they're scared of him and literally that they also, do you see what I'm saying? So um, I don't think that he would be, I don't think he has a gravitas. And I think that the fact that he's caught in between two states kind of exits him from that. Um, I, yeah, he just doesn't, he doesn't have a gravitas. I don't think he, he would be in contention for that. I think what he's trying to do is to, is to secure his own fiefdom. Much in the same way, um, what is the Undo State governor whose name I keep forgetting? I can see his face, but I cannot remember his a, name. A governor Akeridolu. Akeridolu, thank you. Governor Akeridolu, he wants to secure himself in a manner that a lot of people perceive that Akeridolu has been able to. Because if you remember that Akeridolu was not Tinubu's candidate, yet he won Undo State, right? Obviously, fire me is fire me. Tinubu could not put his mouth in the affairs of 
Ekiti State, where Faemi had direct endorsement from Buhari. So uh, Arab Batullah feels that given his years of commitment to the cause, in quotes, and his relationship to Tunumbu, he should be able to secure himself a say-so in Oshun without the interference of the man in Lagos. Now, you have to understand how, if you remember what was said of Obasanjo during his first term, that um, he had no real love in the Southwest, you know. I think it's imperative for Tinubu, if he does win the ticket, God forbid, if he does win the ticket, I think it's imperative of him to have an iron grip on at least five of the six Southwestern states, right? So how is he going to get that iron grip if Oshun that he controls through familial relations, but the allegations that Oyetola is related to him, you know, if that slips out of his grip. And from which angle is Arab Bashola going to stand on a podium and angle for power as a national leader of the APC? Is it through Ali Mosho, where he's making trouble in, in, in Oshun states plainly? Ali Mosho people would tell him to go to Oshun and stake his claim there. He's attempted to stake his claim in Oshun, it wasn't successful. You know, so I think I think Arab Bashola was used with his full knowledge and full permission, he was used. It, it was never really going to work out. So whatever he's going to get from it would either be paid to him when certain ambitions are hindered. So Tinubu's ambitions, for example, are hindered or stopped in general, or he gets to be part of whatever administration comes post Bahari if the APC wins. Does that make sense? So I think you know his his game in the immediate term is to you know show that Tinubu doesn't have this kind of uniform say over the South. West that people suggest that he does, with the exception of obviously uh, Oyo State, um, and also to play the role of a spoiler given Tinubu State's ambitions. So no, I don't think he's going to get the chance to elevate himself to a national leader in the APC for the Southwest. I mean, there's still Fashalana, you know, there's still Fayemi, even Akiru Dulu himself is nobody to sniff at. You know, there are people way more connected than he is locally, in terms of their, their connections with other governors in other regions and also how they're regarded nationally. Eric Bashalai is regarded somewhat as a bit of a joke. You know, um, he he's he's you know he styles himself as a severe Muslim. So I suppose he has something in common with certain aspects and elements of Bahari's government. But I don't think that he commands, okay, he has he has a stand in the Ali Mosho, to be fair, but that stand in Ali Mosho he has as a result of his relationship with Tunubu. If that relationship is demised, that influence in Ali Mosho is undermined and will go to somebody else. If he can fight in Oshun and retain a modicum of influence in Oshun, then I suppose he secures himself a say in the future, but I don't think he's playing the game locally. I think he's playing the game either for Tinubu's demise, as in his physical demise or his political demise, which a lot of people are whispering in hushed tones. Um, around and about. So it's a long game for him, really, but he's done his part in serving as a spoiler for Tinubu in the very short term. I hope that that made sense. Thank you. Thank you, Tola, for the clarification. Now, to Phoenix, there's, there's another aspect of this drama that I want you to expand on. There was obviously the Oshun State primaries that, uh, which took place yesterday uh, the uh, Tinubu's candidate, who's the governor, Oyetola, won, um, and Arab Bashola's candidate, I think it's he's a character named Adeoti, uh, 
Adeoti lost. Now, Eric Bashir has already issued a statement alleging that the elections were rigged. I would have asked Anthony further questions, but Anthony seems to have lost connection. So, Phoenix, the question is, does this infighting within the APC give the PDP the upper hand in the up- upcoming elections, or do you think there's still room for reconciliation and the APC will, will win it? I think it gives the, the PDP an, an inroad, but I would, not, I would not go so far as to say upper hand. I, I, I look at this from, from a number of perspectives. One, the last race um, in 2018 was very close. Had to go to a runoff, and it took Iyala uh, Mishore becoming a turncoat for, for the APC to win. So any, any damage to the APC, if APC cannot present a united front for these elections, you would expect that, uh, that the PDP should make up the ground and should, should win. So, so that's on one side. Um, but then, of course, it also means that the PDP has to have its house in order and be able to 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 go forward in a strong fashion. The other point again goes to what Tola was just talking about and how Arik Meshala chooses to play his cards. If he decides to go scorched earth and say, look, yes, I lost the primaries within APC, but I want to, I don't care if in this cycle we lose the election, but but Tinubu loses his grip on Oshun State, such that by the next cycle, I will have built my machinery. I'll be, he will be, I mean, Tinubu will be, Tinubu will be much older, less, um, and maybe by then he will have been dis- demystified by a lost presidential race or things like that, such that Ayagoshala's star should be on the, in the ascendancy and then he can take over. He can decide to actually enable PDP win. Uh, we've seen that happen before. We've seen political parties uh, or political actors, you know, make strange alliances um, and all of that. I mean, one one popular one that I remember was in 2011. Where it was said that Tinubu had uh, somehow made an alliance with uh, Jonathan also to to enable that that happen. His victory. I'm not saying that that's exactly what happened, but it's what I what I had heard uh, from the time. So it is possible. Um, that you could find that such a scenario in which Ayrewashala chooses to do that to 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 change the political calculations in in Northern State. So PDP is, I mean, they are in a good place. Of course, you would like your enemy to be destabilized, to 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 lose their unity, and not be able to prevent present a united front. So they're happy, but of course, it remains to be seen if they can take advantage of that, and to what extent. This really damages APC's um, candidacy for, or APC's push for to retain power in in Ocean State. So, should be an exciting one. Thank you, Phoenix. I think my final top question on this topic is to Tola. Tola, there's another dimension because I've been tracking the conversations on social media, and Arab Bashala doesn't seem to be getting the level of sympathy. I would have expected him to get. It seems the more people I favor of Tinubu than Arik Bashala, and in particular, a number of people seem to be annoyed that there's a shortage of passports, both in Nigeria and abroad. A number of young Nigerians who are young and old who are working abroad can't seem to get passports even after paying. And they're angry that the minister in charge of the passports, Arik Bashala, 
is more concerned with the battle in Oshun State as opposed to fixing the passport issue. So what, what is your view? Do you, do you think, firstly, that uh, the, the, these people are right to be angry with Arugoshola? And secondly, do you agree that the sympathy seems to be more with Tinubu or more against Arugoshola? Of course people are angry and they have the right to be angry because the rudiments of his job he's not doing. He's, you know, he's being, he's more interested in engaging in local political power play than actually proving that he's a competent and performing minister, which by all accounts, he is not. You know, I have a passport to renew and I'm deterred from going to renew it because I don't want to suffer the indignities of going to the Nigerian High Commission. And that's directly at his doorstep because that's his remit. That's his primary responsibility right now, as far as I am aware. So I don't know that people are necessarily supporting Tinubu. I think it'd be long, long, it'd be hard for you to find Nigerians who support Tinubu outside of mostly legal state, to be honest. And those ones tend to be, you know, jobbers. I'm not saying there aren't people who genuinely love the fellow. There are lots of them, um, but on social media, you know. Um, yes, I don't think it's support for Tinubu more, more, more than it is annoyance with this fellow who isn't doing his job at all, but rubbing it in the faces of Nigerians that he's clearly otherwise engaged and clearly interested in other matters than doing the job that he was sworn in to do and being paid by Nigerians to do. You know, it's, it's, it's galling. You know, you, people are, Qatar put out a tweet the other day, you know, or at least media in Qatar put out a tweet the other day saying Nigerians are losing their jobs in Qatar for, for want of, new passports, you know, and, and the Nigerian government is yet to, yet to address this. This minister responsible for this particular portfolio has yet to speak about it because he's busy, you know, sort of in a quagmire that is that is a, 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 the APC's affairs in Ocean State is, is absolutely galling. And yes, people are well within their rights to just be totally annoyed with him and to laugh at his failure at upending Tinubu's control in Ocean State because it's like, listen, we're paying you to do a job. You're not doing it. You don't care that you're not doing it. You don't care that Nigerian lives are being destroyed by your failure to do it. Yet you're somehow crying about a godfather in Ocean State uh, sort of having his foot on, on the neck of the state in the, in, in the proverbial sense. Your failure to perform the rudiments of your duties is costing Nigerians in very real terms today. You know, so yes, it, it sounds right that Nigerians have not a lick of sympathy for him. I certainly don't. And yes, I, I hope, though I must say I'm not too optimistic, I hope this, this serves him a, a good lesson. Though, you know, like I said, I feel like he's a Trojan horse. So the lesson was in, in the mission itself for him personally, yeah. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Tola. If if the minister is listening, we would encourage you. <laughs> yes, we we would encourage you to at least uh, provide passports whilst you're fighting in <laughs> you know Shu State. Please just help people get their passports. But our time, but our time is up. So firstly, I must thank you, Tola, for being here, and thank Anthony. I think Anthony lost his connections, and then obviously thank you, Phoenix, for co-hosting this with me, and. Last but not least, thank you to our listeners who have been always loyal and giving us helpful feedback. So until same time next week, I say have a fantastic seven days to everyone. Thanks, Michael, and thanks, Tola, for joining us. Um, sorry we lost uh, Anthony in the middle of that. but uh, Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm much obliged. It's been a while since I discussed politics, so it's nice to sharpen sort of my, uh, my tools again on the matter. Thank you. Absolutely. Great to have you, Tola. Thanks, everyone, and have a great weekend. Bye.